Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish tech news. Hi, uh, today on the Irish Tech News podcast, uh, we have another interesting guest who's very much at the forefront of uh, some very interesting discoveries and innovations uh, and has had an interesting journey to get to where he is now. So I guess first up, who who do we have the pleasure of speaking to today? Uh, how are you doing, Simon? My name is James uh, and I'm an Associate Director in KPMG's R&D Incentives Practice. Awesome. Okay. And so I guess, uh, first of all, uh, your background, is is it a logical progression to what you do now based upon uh, your path up until working with KPMG? Uh, I guess it is and it isn't. Um, obviously, KPMG are, are known as a tax and accounting firm and I'm a, a molecular microbiologist by trade. So uh, it first sounds, it, it, it sounds like it might be the best match, but in, in terms of what we do, it actually works out really well. Um, our role is to kind of go into companies and chat to them about their research and essentially we work as scientific communicators kind of helping bridge that gap between finance and engineering and science so uh, a background i mine actually has been really useful to be able to tell the story of research to be able to dig into people's projects and help them present the work in the best possible light um, and uh, yeah so it's been a really interesting journey um my background, as I say, wasn't in tax and accounting. I came from a research background. Uh, I did a degree in microbiology in Trinity and then moved to UCC and did a master's in biotechnology uh, and then ended up doing a PhD in molecular microbiology and then kind of followed my own research career, uh, which brought me to New Zealand for, for five years running a microbiology lab looking at uh, tuberculosis. Um, so, yeah, it mightn't be the most logical step to go from tuberculosis research into uh, tax and accounting but it has it has some sort of sense to it mm-hmm. and with with you i mean obviously so to have done the phd to have done five years in new zealand uh, you, you've gone deep into this and you know with with the um with the world that we've been in for the last 15 months um you know so like you had bill gates talking about the threat of pandemics you know five years ago in a ted tedx talk uh were these was the when it came to happen were these things that you had felt um, because we had Ebola, because we had some near misses with avian flu. Is it something that you had felt uh, w- was was a higher risk than people maybe realised it was? I don't think it was any surprise at all. Um, I remember being in undergraduate lectures more than twenty years ago now, talking about we're overdue a pandemic of you know a flu-like disease. So it's something that we've been aware of for a very long time. We've just been really lucky. Um, and I remember uh, when the news of, of COVID started coming through, um, a lot of my contacts are still in that area of infectious disease, immunology. And I started seeing interesting threads on Twitter about this coming out of uh, China and kind of people being looking to get sequences of it for, for primers to be able to identify it through PCR and that kind of stuff uh, towards the end of December and the start of January. And my first initial thought was actually we need to put some sort of remote uh, remote working kind of training in place with our team because I thought we deal with a lot of pharmaceutical companies, we deal with a lot of med device companies who are getting components out of China and we might start seeing restrictions to access to their sites um, you know just kind of out of an abundance of caution not expecting how how 
far reaching it would go, but I was expecting us to start to see some sort of restrictions back in, in January. So we kind of put training in place with our team. But as I say, I wasn't expecting what happened. Um, but in terms of globally, we, we you know, it, it's not something that we've been surprised, uh, we've taken by surprise over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you see, and so it does put you at an, an interesting intersection, which I guess is where where the best insights come, where you've gone deep into one area. You're now working in another area. And, um, you know, when we were chatting about what to talk about, um, you, 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 you did mention that there's there's been massive progress in vaccine development and, and you uh, feel that this may also have results with other challenges like global warming and antibiotic resistance. So do, do you feel that the last 15 months, you know, while deeply challenging, has perhaps uh, reopened wider conversations about research development and, and looking to deal with some of these very difficult problems? Uh, absolutely, it has. Like, I, I don't know if people really appreciate the the steps that have been made like we've gone from uh, an mRNA vaccine which was kind of theoretical only a few years ago to something that is now being put into people's arms and what we've kind of seen is that some of the challenges that we're facing in the world maybe they're not science and engineering challenges maybe they're actually economic challenges and when we put money in place to actually counter these problems that we can put the the, the might of our science and engineering knowledge behind it and, and kind of get to solutions much quicker and what we've seen as well is, I guess, more sharing of knowledge uh, across the scientific community, but across the wider industrial community as well. And, you know, being able to kind of get to solutions quicker. So um, I think it has been really interesting. And there's there's an interesting intersection between science and society there. Like you talk about the challenges of, of global warming, and obviously that's, that's a far reaching challenge. It's going to have huge financial implications of way above and beyond what we're seeing with COVID. Um, and you know, given my own background as a microbiologist, antibiotic resistance is always something that, that I've been interested in. And that, you know, has huge implications of where it could go if we don't keep on developing the drugs that we have. It will end medical science as we know it if we get to a point where we don't combat the, the rise of antibiotic resistance. So I think the the, the shift to a global response to these things, that the, the amount of money that's going into them and greater cooperation, you know, it, it does maybe there's lessons learned from this where we can uh, you know avoid some of these problems in the future uh, and get to a much better place mm -hmm. okay cool so so th so that's the big picture and those are the things that um uh guide your thinking uh then to to toggle it down to you and your role and what you do how how do you help companies like it's it's tuesday so 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 what what's what's the normal week like um for you in terms of Irish companies and the help that you give to them? I guess there's no real normal week. You know, we, we interact with a, a wide variety of companies who are doing amazing research. Like, I, I don't think I really appreciated the breadth of research going on in Ireland until I came into this role. You know, obviously coming from an academic background, you're very focused on your own niche subject area. Mm -hmm. And you come into a job like this and you talk to so many interesting companies and you know you meet these people who are at the forefront of what they do globally um so you know on any given day you could be talking to a company about developing a new heart valve or someone is developing uh, a new additive for a milk uh, a baby supplement supplementation or someone is trying to scale up a drug that hasn't been scaled up before or someone is introducing uh a new vaccine and they're looking to kind of produce that at scale in a safe and reliable manner so we can get into the clinical trials and get the results that we need out, out the other end so I, I guess day to day you can be talking to anyone 
uh, and anyone really about about the research they do uh, and kind of guiding them through the process, talking about the legislation, talking kind of about about the pitfalls of of communicating their work, just making sure that they don't hide the light under a bushel as well, because you find that people who are kind of at the coalface of these things don't really realize how innovative and creative they're being and the the I, I guess how kind of um how cutting edge the research can be they're used to working with people around them who are experts in what they do as well and you kind of judge your own work by um by your own environment not realizing that you're working in very exceptional circumstances so it's just to help them see that um help them best communicate that work and then help them identify kind of costs associated with what they do just to make sure they maximize what they can claim because the great thing about the credit is it, it supports the development of engineering and science in Ireland. It supports kind of people coming through under universities. Um, it supports building our knowledge economy. So I'm like, I'm really passionate about it. I really like going out to companies and helping them through this process because ultimately it's it's about getting a good result for the company, but it's a good result for Ireland. It's winning work coming in. Um, like we talk to some companies and they might be established from uh, say from Ameri an American parent to do some manufacturing and they come in and they establish a manufacturing process but what the company soon finds is that the people they've put in place are, are really good and passionate about what they do and we find that a lot of kind of global centers of excellence then kind of naturally gravitate towards Ireland because of the quality of the work and the quality of the people that are in place so it's really interesting to kind of chat to these people um, and I guess from my own personal point of view like I, I i loved doing research but there's a lot of heartache involved in research so it's great to come in at the kind of once a year and kind of get that the highlight reel get the updates without the heartache that went with it yeah no i, I hear you that it's that the ability to appreciate the both being at the coalface and also at the higher level and joining the dots up and exactly. like so yeah so and so and so for people listening to this and going oh well that's cool i didn't realize um that ireland was so active in this area um what what, what kind of um projects or companies or products are are you excited about or, or or coming down the line or in the pipeline that we might see as a result of some of this uh bleeding edge technology that you're seeing um i think we're seeing some really interesting things with pharmaceutical companies coming into ireland we're seeing a lot more uh, biologics production, which is, you know, kind of things like monoclonal antibodies and proteins and kind of the more complicated uh, biomolecules coming in. And one trend we've seen, which is really cool, is the, I guess, the development of Industry 4.0, which is, you know, um, manufacturing processes that use big data more, that use augmented reality. Uh, and you're seeing this melding, I guess, of, of, of IT uh, with manufacturing science uh, and getting some really in innovative manufacturing processes that you have kind of high quality product coming out the other end. And um, what I really like seeing as well is some of the university spin outs that we have coming out of Ireland. I, again, just some really innovative technology um, uh, and just kind of the, the development of, you know, you see these small companies coming through with two or three people initially and they're growing and growing and growing and becoming global leaders and becoming a, you know, big presence globally in developing technology that maybe has never existed before. Mm-hmm.
<laughs> yeah, and and in that way that you're discussing, um, uh, that we are moving to industry 4.0, and uh, it is enabling a lot of things, um, including you know more remote working, and as you said, in sectors that we haven't normally seen. And you know, like in one of the headlines this morning was was that you know uh, rents have fallen in Dublin but risen around the country. So that would suggest potentially that we are seeing a, a recalibration of how people work and where they work um so i mean do you, do you feel that's a trend that we're going to see more of in the future i think so um like we're going to see huge changes and i don't think we can really appreciate how big those changes that are coming down the line are like we're going to see you know logistics chain chain shortening we're going to see changes in the way people work the way people operate uh, like I was talking to a client recently who was a pharma company who are doing a lot of their audits remotely. So typically you'd have someone from the FDA in the US or you'd have someone from the European Med Medicines Agency coming on site to a factory and be able to go through everything they need to audit to kind of make sure that this place manufactures safe medicines. And they were able to do this process remotely due to the innovation in using augmented reality and in, in, in use being able to kind of virtually tour facilities, stuff like that. So, you know, if, if you can manage, imagine such an in-depth process as an FDA audit remotely, you know, we should be able to work remotely as well. Um, and as you say, it's going to cause maybe a, a rejuvenation kind of within more rural areas in, in Ireland and hopefully lead to a better quality of life for people all around, which again, attracts more people into the country um, and, and attracts more businesses in as well. Yeah, look, I mean, uh, I, I hear you and I agree. And I mean, and despite having lived, I, I did live in Dublin for 20 years, but every time I would leave Dublin, you'd be like, oh gosh, the rest of the island is so pretty, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get that. I lived in Auckland for five years in New Zealand and there was a beach nearby and it was a short ferry trip out to about 12 different vineyards. So, um, you, you know, there, there's different different places of life in, in in different countries but ultimately i was i was drawn back to dublin and it's a city i've, I've, I've lived in extensively and i i really enjoy it as a city um and, and I, I think as people work more remotely we'll be able to enjoy our cities a bit more because hopefully there's less hustle and bustle and more focus on people's quality of lives mm -hmm. yeah definitely um well one thing that you mentioned uh is about the intersection of IT and biology. I mean, and we, we've definitely seen this in other areas that, that machine learning and AI is, is bringing in, in, in insights from a deeper set of data than a human could necessarily pick out trends in. Um, and, you know, like and there's there's the whole narrative about how, how long and how much it costs to sequence the first human DNA. But then after that, the price has fallen. And with that, potentially the insights that once we can sequence our own, it, it becomes at a cost that is affordable. Um, is, is that like, I guess from that, are we already seeing interesting developments and, and, and w w what could good look like in the next, you know, one to three years? Yeah, definitely. Like we are seeing, we're actually seeing companies in Ireland that, that do that kind of research. Um, obviously, you know, when, when you can automate things like that, when you can use machine learning, it, it does kind of free up a, a lot of time um, for, for the researchers. The, you know, you can scan through things much quicker with machine learning. I think you do need to make sure that uh, it's guided in the correct way. Um, you still need, to, obviously, still need to have the, the scientists involved and working with the computer scientists. But I, I would see that we'd speed up uh, drug discovery. We'll be able to, um, as we build libraries of molecules, 
uh, and not just molecules, but their shapes, their charges, how they interact with other molecules. You know, the, the more of that that's searchable uh, and the more data we have to be able to join the dots, I think we will start to see huge leaps in drug discovery in relation to that. And um, we might start seeing big changes in, in, in personalized medicine where you have, as you say, you know, it, it's gotten cheaper and cheaper to sequence things. So, you know, will we get to a point where you can sequence uh, a, a person's entire genome just as a matter of course that it's, you know, you go down to your local GP and they you know, take a sample and, and get a sequence and you can get specific medicine tailored to, to your genes, you know, because we have seen that in research in the past um, that certain medicines are better for certain genetic backgrounds. Um, and e equally as well, maybe in things like diagnosis that you go into the hospital and they can take a sample and they can see, okay, not, they're not sequencing you, but sequencing your uh, any bacteria that are present. Um, you could look at sequencing people's microbiomes to see what's there, to see what's not there. Like there's some really interesting research coming out of uh, the APC Microbiome Institute in Cork looking at um, how microbes and your microbiome can affect mood, can affect depression, things that wouldn't be traditionally associated with, with microbes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, look, I mean, uh, I've read some like that around the gut and yeah, look, the more they learn, the more it's it's fascinating. And yeah, bringing insights that we didn't even imagine. Um, you mentioned um, the the way that we've been able to use a lot of this to to develop uh, a cure much faster than would have been previously uh, the case with the with, with the COVID nineteen pan uh, vi virus and pandemic. So, but many people have said that you know uh, we, we've been quite fortunate in some ways that the you know the fatality rate relatively is a lot lower than other ones like Ebola, and that we really must now prepare for future pandemics uh, in more in a more frequent degree of it happening so so I guess the question is is that uh, on one hand uh, over the last 15 months like you say we've been able to develop cures uh, in a much faster way than before so so do you think if, if we have a you know pandemic 2.0 in another year or two of another strain of virus do, do you think we'll be better able to deal with coming up with an appropriate um, vaccine for it I, I think in terms of the the mRNA technology that we're, we're seeing coming through, that that's very versatile and very flexible, um, and hopefully that will be able to adapt very quickly. You know, in terms of the the COVID vaccines now that we're seeing with, that, that utilise the mRNA technology, they're essentially kind of you know test cases for this. We were able to turn around a vaccine with a new technology. You know, within a year, it's actually much quicker than a year. It, the actual development of itself was, you know, months, and then we get into the clinical trials. So that's that, that's a huge turnaround in, in the speed of development around these things, uh, and I think we will be in a better position for it. Um, but I guess we've also learned, kind of societally, how how better to deal with these things, um, and maybe the community or the population as a whole are getting more kind of uh, cognizant of of, of science uh, and how it, how the impact it can have on society. Like, I think it's interesting you talk about, you know, something like Ebola being far more dangerous versus, you know, something like COVID, which has a much lower death rate. But realistically, COVID was far more transmissible and that's what's causing the issue. If you have something like COVID, people get very, or something like Ebola, people get very sick very quickly and it's very visible. So you can isolate them and you can prevent the spread. Whereas with something like COVID, um, people were, uh, transmitting the disease before they displayed symptoms and we had people that were either asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic spreaders and it's 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 its ability to spread that caused the issue and the problems rather than it's uh, how virulent it was so like it is an interesting question and 
you know, we're, we're going to be hit with more of these pandemics when, you know, we, we don't know, but we're increasingly a globalized society. People are traveling far more um, and, and that kind of all adds into it as well. So, you know, yes, the science that's there hopefully should get us to solutions much sooner, but equally there's kind of behaviors that we have that maybe we can look at monitoring as well and helping us within, you know, a similar situation. Look, I think you're right, and and I agree that in many ways the the COVID nineteen uh, virus was perfectly evolved to deal with uh, human behaviour because people people got bored of doing things, and obviously you know the virus is still the virus doing what it does. So you know you get bored, well that doesn't mean you're immune to it anymore. It just means you're susceptible to it. So yeah, I I, I would agree with you. Um, so in terms of you, you do homebrewing and you're a sci-fi fan right so in some ways uh th this is this, this it can actually be i would say quite relevant in some ways because obviously you know uh you know views of the uh the gwyneth paltrow movie pandemic went through the roof when this came out and so people yeah. went back to fic fictional imaginings of what it could be like almost as a point of reference and so therefore you know bet between the homebrewing and and the love of sci-fi uh, do you find is it both fun but also informative? I, I think, like, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm a huge sci-fi fan. I have been as far back as I can remember. And the cool thing about sci-fi is it allows people to examine questions of ethics and and morality in hypothetical situations, you know, in a fictional setting. Um, but a lot of it is based on kind of you know, things that, that could happen and, um, you know, ethical conundrums that do arise. So I think there are a lot of learnings there. Um, in terms of the home brew, that's, that, that's been good just from my own head um, to, to be able to go out to the, to the shed and do a bit of brewing. It lets me kind of keep, uh, keep in touch with, with my experimental background, with, with my background as a microbiologist, with, with hopefully a tasty outcome uh, out the other side. Um, but, you know, one of the things that the pandemic has brought us is it allows people or has allowed some people to kind of maybe re-engage with hobbies um, and, you know, become a bit more creative. For me, the outlet was, as I say, yeah, a bit of home brewing. Uh, and my partner was doing a bit, a bit of extra gardening and a bit of extra baking. So there's a, a bit of horticulture, a bit of food science and a, a bit of microbiology in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think so, yeah. I mean, and obviously you have the wider, you know, renaissance of craft beer so uh, it definitely makes sense um i guess a, 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 a an almost penultimate question then is what are your sources of inf information and inspiration how do you remain up to date and have a sense of coming trends um remaining up to date, it, it's obviously very difficult um but there's so much information coming at us every day that it, it's very hard to keep up to date but kind of at a higher level um, it, it's listening to podcasts. I, I find podcasts are just, just such a, a good way of, of keeping up to date things. You can put one on, go for a walk, um, and it's great that way. But, you know, reading things like Scientific American, New Scientist, um, I try to keep up to date with, you know, some academic journals, but that's that, that's very hard to do, especially when, uh, you know, it, it's not your full-time job. Um, but just keeping uh, abreast of things. If there's things I'm particularly interested in, I'll set up Google Alerts to see what news stories are coming in, that kind of thing. Um, in terms of inspiration at the moment, I think, as I mentioned before, I, I just really love the idea that we're helping, um, I, I guess, the corporation Ireland get out there and, and develop itself as a knowledge economy that I'm, you know, the work that we're doing in getting this kind of R&D credit for people is creating jobs in science, in engineering, 
and getting us to that point where you know we are a knowledge-based economy Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And and like you say, there's a lot of exciting things. So uh, I guess for that, and we'll put the links in, how, how can people learn more about you, your work and the uh, KPMG tax initiatives? Yes, yeah, so as I say, um, or as you said, there, you know, there'll be links available. Uh, if you do a quick Google search, you'll find us uh, at KPMG. Um, uh, and we produce a lot of literature just about the tax credit itself, about any changes that revenue have and about the services we offer. Uh, and, you know, you can look up our team on LinkedIn and kind of see the background that, that our team has. As I say, we're, we're a bit unusual for a tax and accounting firm in that we are, uh, I'm a microbiologist, we're material scientists, computer scientists, software engineers, electronic engineers, chemical engineers. Um, so it is an interesting group to work to work with. Awesome. Uh, look, uh, thanks, James. It's been a, a pleasure to talk to you. Great stuff, Simon. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news, on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News, on LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news, on Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE, and on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.